Thanks for listening to the Three Strands podcast. For more information about our church and our ministries, visit us at threestrands.church. But I'm glad you're here. You're kind of right smack dab in the middle of this series where we're learning how to take all of our relationships to a whole new level, whether it's the people that live in the same house with you or just your close friends or extended family, the people that you would call homies. Homies is a word they used to use when I was a kid. I know they don't say that anymore, Scholar, but that's like a word they used to use when I was a kid to talk about all the people you're tight with, all the people you're close to, all the people that you have a good um, relationship with or that you consider family or close friends, you know. So, But we want to take those relationships to a whole new level. And I'm a little disappointed this morning because uh, are there any teachers here? Anybody here a teacher? No, you know why? Because they're all on vacation this week. That's right. Because let's, let's be honest now. I, let's cut this out of the podcast in case they listen later. But let's be fair to them. They all put in six hard weeks of work. All right? They deserve a week off. It's okay. All right? Cut them some slack. Give them a break. They're all at the beach right now in Florida. And so uh, we've got about 15 people at least that I could count off the top of my head today that are all like teachers or related to the teaching field somehow. And they're all in Florida and, uh, and so, uh, but we're going to cut them some slack and we're going to give them like a special shout out from us to them, letting them know we miss them today. We can't wait till they get back and uh, put in another solid six weeks before they get three more weeks off. It's wonderful. So yeah, we're excited for them to come back from their trip, but uh, they're all uh, vacationing this week. And so, uh, but anyhow, I'm a little discouraged, a little worried, a little concerned about how you're going to deal with what we're going to talk about today because it's hard. It's a hard thing. Uh, it can be discouraging. It can be a topic or a subject that can make you feel exhausted if you're trying to be a Christian. If you're trying to follow Jesus, this is the kind of subject that can tire you out, make you feel overwhelmed, and, and give you thoughts of kind of like, I'm giving it all I can. I don't think I can give it any more. And then you're heaping this on me too. I would put this topic or this subject in maybe the, the three or four most difficult pieces of the Christian experience or the Christian life. I would, you know, if you said, what's the hardest part about being a Christian for me? I would probably tell you things like, you know, having to forgive people that I don't want to forgive or having to uh, love people who are my enemies or, you know, this one we're going to talk about today, things like that. And so, uh, unfortunately, I have to talk to you about this principle from the Bible because if you want your family relationships or your tight friendship relationships to go to a whole new level, this is essential. And it's a calling. It's a calling from God for us to serve people rather than to be served. And that stinks. I would much rather stand up front and tell you that your life is going to be so wonderful and everybody around you is just going to take care of all your needs. They're going to be super attentive to what you want. They're going to go above and beyond to make you feel comfortable every day. But I can't find that in the Bible. In the Bible, I find this pattern, this example, this instruction over and over again that we're called to serve others, not to be served ourselves. That's hard, and nobody really wants to hear that. So if, if you're here today, and you're like, I don't want to hear that either. Like, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that you walked in on a day when we just happened to be. I can promise you we didn't plan it just for you, that we planned it like eight months ago, and, and God must have just known that you needed to be here today. I don't know. So uh, just kind of bear with me, and maybe it won't be quite as bad as you think by the time we get to the end. But this principle is like essential for our relationships to be stronger and healthier and better. And so uh, I just got to be honest, like if, if you had kids with the thought of, hey, now they're going to do all the work around the house for me and serve me, 
I want you to know that from God's word, you really had kids with the wrong motives. And if your attitude is like, well, my spouse should wait on me hand and foot, then you really are living in marriage sinfully. That God never called us to be um, waited on or to be taken care of. He's called us to actually do the waiting on and to take care of others. And that could be a hard thing. So today I want to talk with you about that subject because it'll make a difference in your life. Not, not just because I want to yell at you or, or criticize you or make you feel guilty about something you have or haven't been doing, but because there's a lot of power in it. So this is the fourth piece of the puzzle in this six-week-long sermon. I want to talk with you about the power of serving. Can we do that today? The power of serving. So serving other people is one of the primary ways in God's Word that we let other people know we're following Jesus. In fact, I think you could take it as far to say that if you're not interested in serving anybody else, then you don't really know Jesus and aren't really following him. There's a real like question or debate. If you're a pastor around the country right now, one of the things you think about a lot behind the scenes, if you're in a church that you really want to be healthy and you want to grow, is you spend a lot of time thinking about how can I move people from being consumers to being Christians? Because there's a lot of people that just walk through the doors of a church and their attitude is like, take care of me. Visit me, feed me, give me stuff, entertain me. And sometimes as like a, a worship band member or, or a, a pastor or a door greeter or, or somebody that's doing anything in a church setting to serve others, sometimes you kind of look around, you scan the room and you think to yourself like, you almost feel like you're like in gladiator. And you're asking people, like, are you not entertained? <laughs> it's like you feel like you're performing, and everybody just wants to be entertained. But, but you're always trying to think through, like, well, how do I convince somebody to take that leap of faith, that step that's going to take a lot of courage to go from consumer to real Christian, where it's about more than just myself? And, and that's a hard thing to do. I want to read you a paragraph out of Matthew chapter 20, if you want to follow along in your own Bible you can turn there now. We're going to be there to start today. The words will be on the screen for you too. But in Matthew chapter 20, there's this interesting story where two of Jesus' closest followers and their mother, all right, just, just for the record, just because just you have your mother go ask for something for you doesn't necessarily mean you're going to get it either. And Jesus is about to prove that to us. But two of Jesus' closest followers and their mother come to Jesus one day and they say, hey, we, want, we have a request. We want to ask a favor. Will you do us a solid. Do people, does people around Kentucky say, do you a solid? I said that at work one day, and they were like, I don't even know what that means. I, was like, I heard people say that. I know that, you know, but that means do a favor for somebody, all right? No, nobody says that here. All right, do, do me a favor, all right? So they come to Jesus, and they're like, can you do us a favor? And he's like, what's the favor? And the mom says, when we get to heaven, will you bless my two sons? Will you give them this reward? Will you bless them and give them the honor of sitting on thrones, one on each side of you for all of eternity. And Jesus kind of sets them straight and says, well, I can't even do that because it shows how little you know about eternity in heaven because God the Father is going to be sitting on a throne and I, Jesus, am going to be sitting right beside him. 
So there's no way I could put one of your sons on each side of me, even if I wanted to, because on one side of me is God. And there's no way we're going to boot God off the throne for one of your sons, right? It's, it's an interesting kind of side note that doesn't really come up in the story, and we're not really even going to pull it out too much in this teaching, but think about it for a second. What she was really asking Jesus to do was, can you bump God off of the throne and put one of my kids at the center of the universe. What a crazy request. And if you understood like what you were really asking, you probably would never be so bold or or brazen to even ask such a thing. But here she asks it, and Jesus doesn't scream at her, doesn't yell at her. He just says, it's not possible. You know, God will be in the center, and I'll be on his right hand. But it's interesting because today we're talking about the power of serving. And when you refuse to serve other people, what you're really doing is kicking God off the throne of the center of the universe and putting yourself right there. It's all about me and me getting served. And so keep that in your head as we kind of dive through this paragraph. But let me read you what Jesus says, because then he gathers all the rest of his followers together. He wants them all to hear this message. And here's what he says, Matthew chapter 20, starting in verse 25. Jesus called his disciples together and said, You know that the rulers in this world lord it over their people, and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you, it will be different. Among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave. And then in verse 28, he says, For even the Son of Man, that's a term Jesus would use to refer to himself, for even the Son of Man, even I, came not to be served, but to serve others. In other words, what Jesus is saying is, if you want to be great, if you want to be a leader, if you want to be first, you got to be last. If you want to do something great, you got to serve others. There is no such thing as somebody who's great in God's kingdom that doesn't serve other people. And I kind of found myself asking, okay, Jesus, I get the instruction, but what would that look like in somebody's life? There's a great example of that in the Bible if you want to read up on her story. Uh, Jesus' own earthly mother, Mary, in Luke chapter 1, is a perfect example of this character quality. And an angel shows up to her, and gives her this news that she's pregnant with the Son of God, which would be freaky, let's be honest, okay? And so here's Mary, probably a teenager, a teenager who's never been with a man, and an angel shows up and says, you're pregnant, and it's God's son. Good luck with that one, right? And so I'm thinking, if I'm Mary in that moment, there's all kinds of responses I might have. Be like, get out of here. Are you serious? I'm having trouble believing that. Can you give me a sign? How many Like, where would we go on the list of things we'd say back to this angel if that's what he said to us, right? A lot of things. But here's what she said in Luke chapter 1, verse 38. I am the Lord's servant. Servant. May everything you have said about me come true. Is that that what we sound like each day? Lord, I'm just here to serve you. Whatever you say about my life, let it come to pass. Whatever you tell me to do, give me the strength to make it happen. Whatever you want to be the case in my life, let it be. I'm just your servant. Wow. She had the right approach to life. 
And maybe you're like me and there's people in your life, there's homies, there's people in your family and you think to yourself, I would do anything for them to know Jesus. I would, know, I would do anything for them to love God and be close with him. I would do anything for blank, fill in the blank with whoever's name, to know Jesus better, to follow Jesus with their whole heart. And Jesus is going to look back at us today and say, then serve them. Then serve them. Stop preaching at them, right? Stop, stop taking passive-aggressive shots at them. Stop telling them how wrong other choices are and how screwed up they are. And instead, get humble and serve them. You know, I said last week that grace and mercy are kind of like two sides of one coin. And today we're talking about serving. And humility and serving are kind of like two sides of one coin. You can't serve others if you're not humble. And if you do serve others, you'll become more humble. And I was thinking this week of Stephanie's home church that she grew up in in West Virginia. West Virginia, shout out, West Virginia. No, it's, it's just you. It's awesome. Uh, so <laughs> nobody would admit it if they were from <laughs> West Virginia. But at Stephanie's home church, the church she grew up in, when you walk through the front doors into the foyer and even at the very front of their sanctuary up in the wall and a lot of times on the screen at the very front of their church is a condensed version of their church motto or their church uh, mission statement, and they've got it shrunk down, and it simply says, life is for service. And I remember, like, when I was first dating Stephanie, and we went to that church, and, and I, like, saw that. I was like, that's such a strange thing. I remember thinking, like, of all the things that could be your motto as a church, like, that seems a little, like, like the first-time visitor coming through the door is like, life is for service. I'm out. You know what I mean? Like, it just doesn't seem like so welcoming to me. But then the longer I thought about it, the more I looked around that church and the more times we visited back there over the years, I've noticed something in that church. You walk through the doors, there are people everywhere just serving others. Like it's so important to them. And they all have a good attitude. It's amazing. It's like they've made it a priority and it's like they don't even complain about it. And so they give it all they got to prepare during the week so that their kids' class is the best. And they give it all they got during the week so that their choir sounds as good as they can sound. And they give it all they got during the week so that the preacher could preach as best as he can. And they give it all they got during the week so that when they show up on Sunday morning, they've got a smile on their face and they're ready to encourage somebody else with their words. Because for them, life is for service. So my question for us today is like, well, how do I become a better servant? Because I'm with you. Like, I love the people in my life. I love my parents, and I love my spouse, and I love my kids and my grandkids and my nieces and nephews and my boyfriend and girlfriend. I, I love, hopefully you don't have a boyfriend and a girlfriend, but you love them, right? Whoever you got, you, you love them, right? And so it's like, and you want to be a better boyfriend and girlfriend. You want to be a better dad or a mom. You want to be a better niece or uncle, or nephew, or aunt, or you want to do better at those things. So how do I serve those people better? Because I feel like I'm giving it all I got. How could I do any more? So that's what I want to talk about the rest of our time today. I think I got it boiled down to two things you got to do. You ready? Can I give them to you today? Here's the first one. You ready? You got to change your attitude. That's it. That's the first one. You got to change your attitude. Well, how do I do that? We'll get to it. We'll get to it. But First, I think we got to recognize we kind of have a little attitude problem, don't we? It's almost like there's probably people in the room right now that really don't like what we're talking about. And I really like it when people do things for me, and I get really irritated when it feels like I have to keep doing things for them over and over. 
And so even if I do do those things, I start to do them with a huff. You know what a huff is? Everybody knows what a huff is. <sighs> I guess. <laughs> <Could you? laughs> I guess I can do this again for you. It's like a bad attitude, right? So we got to change our attitude. we got to shift our expectation if we're going to serve others. Because servants wake up looking for opportunities to serve. Servants walk into churches and office buildings and schoolrooms with the mindset that says, who can I help today? So what's the bad attitude I'm talking about? Well, I, I think I got it boiled down to kind of two pieces of a bad attitude. You ready? Let me give you both. If you ever find yourself saying or thinking these quotes or these comments, you might have a bad attitude. You ready? Some of you are like ducking down in your chair. Some spouses are like elbowing their spouse. Like, don't do that. Just keep it all right here on old number one. But these are the two lines I think for me creep into my head and I say them or I think them when my bad attitude about serving creeps up in my life. Here they are. Here's the first one. I'm exempt from responsibility. I'm exempt from responsibility. This is what it sounds like. You might think or say, I can do whatever I want because blank. Because blank. It, it sounds a lot like that. It sounds like, I can do whatever I want because I'm an adult. I can do whatever I want because I'm the parent. I can do whatever I want because I'm a man. I can do whatever I want because I'm not a little kid anymore. I can do whatever I want because I'm free, because I'm an American, because blank, whatever you want to throw in there, I can do whatever I want. If you ever find yourself saying that or thinking that, there's a good chance that your attitude is keeping you from serving other people and that the world has somehow become a little bit too much about yourself. Here's the second one. You ready? I deserve special treatment. If you feel like you deserve special treatment. Now, here's how this one sounds. You think to yourself or you say things like, I deserve to be happy, don't I? Or, I deserve to be happy, so blank. Fill in the blank with any. I deserve to be happy, so get off my back. I deserve to be happy, so you ought to make me happy. I deserve to be happy, so you should treat me better in this relationship. I deserve to be happy, don't I? So God should give me whatever I'm asking for. I deserve to be happy. And to quote like the great theologian, Clint Eastwood, deserves got nothing to do with it. <laughs> it deserves got Unforgiving, go watch it, good Western. Uh, I deserve special treatment. These are the two attitudes that will keep you from serving others. And they pop up in my life all the time without me even knowing them. Let, let me say it this way. These two attitudes, I would call these two attitudes, if I was going to sum them up into one, one thing, these would be the entitlement mentality. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. See, because here's, here's, here's what happened in the room. I'm going to explain to you what happened. There's some liberals in the room. They don't care anything about that. But there's some conservatives in the room that they're sitting there thinking, entitlement mentality. I don't have the entitlement mentality. I work hard. That's what they think. Okay? But I want you to know it's possible that the entitlement mentality crept into even some of the conservatives' minds without them realizing it even though they got a job because they think everybody doesn't have a job is entitled and everybody that does is a hard worker. But I want you to know that if your attitude is, I deserve for everybody else to make me happy and, and, and I expect everybody else to take care of my needs and I'm exempt from taking care of anybody else's needs or responsibilities, that 
is the entitlement mentality. And it will keep you from serving other people. And the way it creeps up in your life often is those sentences. I can do whatever I want because blank. I deserve to be happy, so blank. Is that you? You start to believe that you are the center of the universe. And you kick God right off the throne. I want to read you just a few verses from the Bible. I don't, want, I don't want it to be my words today. I want you to hear what God has to say. So let me just read you a few of these. Romans chapter 12, verse 3, and see if these things describe you and your life, your approach to each day. Ready? Romans chapter 12, verse 3. I give each of you this warning. Don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to. This is humility. Thinking not of yourself too highly, but thinking of yourself in the right way. In other words, like, humility is not thinking less of yourself. Humility is thinking of yourself less. Does that, does that make sense? Humility is not thinking you're an idiot and a loser and a jerk. Humility isn't thinking less of you. It's thinking of you less. You're putting the needs of others before you. Don't think you're better than everyone else. How about this? Philippians chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. See, when we stop focusing on ourselves and we start paying attention to what other people need, we become servants. When we stop paying attention to what we want and need, we actually are able to see what other people want and need a little better. I want you to do a little experiment with me. Just help me out on this. Entertain me for just a second, if you will. I know i got some people who don't like to participate, but just help me out just for a second. Can everybody in the room right now just look at yourself? Just look at yourself. I want you to center up yourself, like center mass. Everybody look at center mass, like right in this area, right here. You got it? Everybody try to look at your belly. Or, or if, you're like, uh, if you're like me, like abs. Yeah. Just they're under there somewhere, Abby. 20 years ago they were there, and they're still there, I believe. But just look at your own center for a second. Can everybody do that just for a second? Just look at your own belly. You know, you know what you can't see when you're looking at yourself? Anybody else. Right? Look down at verse 7 when Jesus, he describes what Jesus was like when he served. He says, he, Jesus, gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave. This is what service looks like. This is what humility is all about. Some translations, instead of saying he gave up, they say he emptied himself. He emptied himself of all of his divine privileges and took upon himself the humble, lowly position of a slave. Does that describe what your life looks like each day? That you pour out all of your rights, all of your privileges, all of your expectations, all of your thoughts about what you want, and you set out each day to think, who can I help today? Is that how we live? I can promise you if you live that way, all of your homies, all of your relationships will go to a brand new level. This is Jesus' pattern in the Bible. To empty yourself, to be humble, to think of others better than yourself, to take the lowly position of a servant, to put other people first. I know some of you might be thinking like, but what if somebody takes advantage of me? Somebody will abuse that. If they know I'm willing to do anything for them and help them all the time, they'll take advantage of me. What if somebody takes advantage of me? I'm here to tell you today, they will. 
They will take advantage of you. And nowhere are they more likely to take advantage of you than in your own home or at school or at work. But nowhere is God able to turn you into more of a servant better than at home or at school or at work. Jesus even promised they would take advantage of us. Let me show it to you. Matthew chapter 5, he shares this interesting idea. And he says, if a soldier demands that you carry his gear for a mile, carry it two miles. Now, there was like this um, uh, rule that Roman soldiers had. Anybody that lived in the Roman Empire, if a Roman soldier was walking along carrying his armor, his equipment, he could stop anybody he wanted to, any civilian, whether they were a Roman citizen or just somebody living under Roman rule, and he could demand that you would carry his gear for him up to one mile, even if it was out of your way and you had to do it. And Jesus is saying, even if a soldier says, carry my gear for a mile, Offer to carry it for two miles. Even if they're taking advantage of you, saying, hey, carry all my stuff that way for a mile, and you were headed the opposite way, he says, go with them gladly and volunteer to carry it even further. They're going to take advantage of you, serve them even more. I don't like that either. I'm with you. I don't like it either. I'd rather smack them in the face, tell them to get their own cup of water. Right? I'd rather go tell them to fix their own sandwich. I'd rather tell them to go wash their own clothes. I'd rather tell them to get off my back and let me do my own work. I'm with you. I'm just telling you what God says. And then he promises your relationships will be better if you do it. That's all I'm offering you today. Just the truth, nothing more, nothing less. Albert Schweitzer, a famous theologian, pastor, missionary, said it this way, the only really happy people in this world are those who have learned how to serve. Look back at the paragraph I read you at the beginning, verse 28 again in Matthew chapter 20, where it says, For even the Son of Man came not to serve, not to be served, but to serve others. And then look how he ends it. And to give his life as a ransom for many. He's like, I'm going to serve even to the point of giving up my whole life for other people. Jesus was the example of being willing to serve even to the point of death. You've got to change your attitude if you're going to serve other people. Here's the other half of it. You ready? You got to change your attitude and you got to commit to your assignment. You got to be committed to it. It's not just going to happen. Nobody wakes up in the morning happy go lucky wanting to help everybody else. You got to wake up, be committed to the job. You got to be as committed to it as you are to the job that gives you cash. You got to be as committed to it as you are to the job that gives you the reward of seeing your kids succeed at something. You've got to be committed to God's job for your life like you're committed to everything else that you want to achieve in this world. You've got to wake up each day with the attitude that says, I'm, I'm all in on serving other people. If you're going to serve others, you've got to know your role and stick to it. Don't deviate from it. Don't get distracted by other stuff. Don't get sidetracked. So what does it look like to serve others? Let me give you your assignment. You ready? Here's the assignment. Now, I'm going to avoid the obvious today because we're all going to agree without me even teaching it or showing it to you from the Bible. We're all going to agree that you should be giving your kids food, okay? So I don't need to teach you that. If you're not giving your kids food, start feeding them, all right? I get it. Clothing, shelter, food, all that. That's all part of our assignment to take care of the people in our life. I get that, right? But that's obvious. Let me give you 
Some of the pieces of your assignment that are less obvious that people ignore a lot of times that would take your relationships to a whole new level. Here's the first one, right? Part of your assignment is to provide, to provide for the people in your life. Now, now beyond just the food, clothing, and shelter, I'm, I'm talking about some provision that often gets ignored. Let me read you 1 Timothy 5.8 again. I read this a few weeks ago, but look what it says. Those who won't provide for their relatives, especially those in their own household, have denied the true faith. Such people are worse than unbelievers. You'd be better off not even to believe there was a God than you would be to walk around telling everybody you're a Christian and not taking care of the people in your house. That's, that's strong. That's strong language. To be turning your back on relatives who need served. That, that's strong, right? But, but, but let me, let me kind of give you some provision you're supposed to give the people in your life that kind of goes ignored a lot of times. Here's the first one. You're supposed to provide an example, an example for them of what healthy relationships look like, an example of what it looks like to love God with all your heart. Is that you? Like, do you provide that example for the people that are around you? Or is God like one of many things in your life? Or is he the most important thing? Because more of life is caught than taught. So what's the example you're setting in your relationships, in your in your uh, relationship with God, in your relationship with others, what's the example? Actions really do speak louder than words. You're also supposed to provide a nurturing environment. Is the environment around you for the friends and family that are close to you, is the environment around you a safe environment where they're free to be the real them? Or is the real them always on the verge of being criticized? Is it a place where they can be vulnerable and exposed? Is it a place where they can be open and honest? I don't know. Only you know. Only you know. But if you're not providing a nurturing environment where people are free, free to be the real them and to be honest about what's going on in their life, then you're not, you're not providing for your family. You're not providing for your friends. In, in other words, like I think so many people have missed what the American dream is. I hear people talking about the American dream all the time. It's like somehow we got confused and thought the American dream was like to own a home or, or to, to make a lot of money. Or, or The American dream, if you kind of trace it back to the 1700s, the American dream is freedom. Do you understand? Like Freedom is the American dream. What, what you're supposed to be providing for your family and friends is a place of freedom where they can speak their mind and not be condemned, where they can tell you what they're really struggling with and not have you treat them differently, where they can tell you what they're really thinking and you can have a real honest conversation with them without belittling them. That, that's freedom. That's providing a nurturing environment for your friends and family. Here's the third type of provision, right? A, a, a vision for life. Uh-oh. Are you giving the people around you a vision for life? How many times in the Bible does God say, talk about my word over and over again. Tell it to your children. Speak it out loud. Tell everybody you run into. How often, do you even have a vision for life? I I shared mine with you a couple weeks ago. I I actually believe it's everybody's vision for life, but maybe you'd come up with something different from God's word for your life. But I shared with you for my life, I got three things I feel like are God's calling on my life, his vision for my life, and they're to know God better, to love my family more, and to build Jesus' kingdom passionately. And, and I get it. 
There's stuff I do that doesn't fit into that. I sleep, and I eat, and I shower, and that doesn't seem to build God's kingdom. It doesn't seem to love my family better. It doesn't seem to help me know God more. But I'm trying to do it with everything I got and every ounce of strength in my day to hit those three things hard and to talk about them often with my friends, with my family, so that I'm not just living out my vision. I'm casting a vision for the people around me. If you don't know what your vision is for your life, how could you ever pass it on to somebody else? But if you're not, you're not providing for them the way you should. So our assignment is to provide. Here's some, these are some areas that maybe you haven't been providing for the people in your life. So we're supposed to provide for the people in our life, but beyond that, here's the next piece. We're supposed to protect them. That's our assignment, to protect the people in our life. And I get it, you're supposed to protect them from physical danger and all that, but look at 1 Peter 5.8. Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. How are you protecting your homies? How are you protecting their eyes, their hearts, their minds? When it comes to the TVs in your house, the computers in your house, the cell phones in your house, the social media accounts. I, I don't know if anybody's ever told you this before or not, but like your four-year-old doesn't need to see rated R movies. Like protect their eyes a little bit for goodness sakes. They don't need to know what mass murder looks like when they're six. You know, say no sometimes. It's okay. Protect them a little bit. Do you know that in America right now, the average age that somebody sees porn for the first time is eight And we wonder why people are getting married and don't know how to have a healthy sex life. Protect the people around you. Maybe you need to protect yourself some so it doesn't trickle down to the people around you. Man, are we even protecting the kids in our lives? The people we call our friends? Are we just letting them take in all kinds of destructive content? It's crazy you got to provide for the people in your life. you got to protect the people in your life. And here's one that gets all, overlooked all the time. you got to pray for the people in your life. Because Grandma used to pray every night. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. That's a song. I'm just kidding. I'm just, I didn't just make that up. So, Are you praying for the people in your life? Or do weeks and months pass by without you even mentioning them to God? Look at what Samuel says about the people of Israel, not even his own family, just his friends and nation around him. 1 Samuel chapter 12, verse 23. Far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord by failing to pray for you. I got news for you. If you don't pray for your family and for your friends and for your coworkers and classmates, it's not just a bad thing. It's sin. This is called a sin, a sin of omission. There are sins of commission and sins of omission. There are sins that are things you do and sins that are things you don't do. And, and everybody's real familiar with all the sins that are things I do. I'm not supposed to kill. I'm not supposed to lie. I'm not supposed to steal. But what about all the things we're supposed to do that we just don't do? Here's one of them. We omit it. Far be it for me that I should sin against the Lord by failing to pray for you. Come on, man, that's your assignment. Provide for your family and friends. 
Provide them with an example of what the real Christian life looks like. Provide them what healthy relationships look like. Provide them with an example of what it looks like to live a good, godly life. Provide them with a safe, nurturing environment where they can be the real them and get real answers. Provide them with a vision for life that goes beyond just their selfish self. Protect them from the dangers that are all around them because the devil's trying to rip them apart. And pray for them all the time. Jesus had to pray for the people in his life. I'm going to show it to you. It's in Luke chapter 22. Look what he says to Peter, who they called Simon. He says, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift each of you like wheat. I'm not going to get into the weeds on that. But let's just say sift you like wheat because he wants to rip you apart. He wants to separate you. He wants to rip your life to pieces. He's asked if he's allowed to rip you apart. But I have pleaded in prayer for you, Simon, that your faith should not fail. Now let me ask you this. If Jesus' advice and his presence wasn't enough without prayer to protect the people he called homies, what makes you think chipping in your two cents every once in a while and spending some quality time with them but not praying for them would be enough for you? we got to be praying for the people in our life. So I just want to leave you today with two questions. Can I do that? Two questions. Actually, I got all three of those things. Put all three of those things back up on the screen for me. Huh? This is your assignment. I want to ask you two questions about this assignment today. You ready? Here's the first one. How would your life right now be different if you had grown up in an environment that did those three things for you? That provided a safe place where you could be the real you and find real answers? That provided an example of what following Jesus looks like? That, prov that prayed for you? That protected you? That, that provided a real vision for your life? How would your life be different right now if you had grown up in an environment that did those three things for you? That took their assignment seriously every day? And question number two. How would the lives of the people around you right now be different if you started waking up tomorrow intentional about that assignment? I know how they'd be. They'd go to a whole new level. They'd be stronger, healthier, better than ever. Do you want that? Because if you want it, it's right in front of you today. It's not magic. It's not a mystery. God has revealed it to us. What if we started providing for those people? What if we started protecting them? What if we started praying for them over and over again? I promise you their lives and your relationships with them would be so much better. Will you do it with me? Can we take the challenge on this week? Can we do it as a family? Will you let me pray over you as we end today? Dear Heavenly Father, I pray for courage for the people in our room because it's going to take courage to go out of here and to protect themselves and their families from some destructive habits that they've let creep into their homes. It's going to take the courage, it's going to take courage to wake up each day and serve people that seem like they don't appreciate it. It's going to take courage to pray for people who never tell you thank you for it. It never seemed to change. It's going to take courage to wake up every day 
with the mindset of who can I help? Who can I serve? And so, God, I pray that you would wash over this crowd today with the courage it will take to not just hear your word, but to do your word. Would you give them that kind of courage, God? In Jesus' name I pray.